Wednesday, March 15th. I'm Scott Sadler. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Two play-in games in the books in the NCAA tournament. And tampering, but the okay kind. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Field of 68 is now the field of 66. That's clever because it's not 64 yet. It's 66. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I see what you did there. Two playing games already in the books. We have two more coming up tonight. We also have moves being made in the NFL. We're going to get to all of those moves. But first, let's talk about the NCAA tournament, AJ. Last night, the 16th seed matchup in the South region goes to Texas A&M Corpus Christi, the Islanders, as they defeat SEMO. Yeah, big sister kiss and push on the number. Texas A&M Corpus Christi minus four. They win 75-71. SEMO uh, had a chance to tie it up late, missed a good look at three. It was a really good look. So, I mean, I had the over in this game, which did not hit. Um, and, you know, 75-71, you're like, how did the over not hit? It didn't. Um so I was hoping for overtime. There was nine. It was like not 10, 10 seconds left when they inbounded the ball. So they dribbled it down the court. Great move. Fake the defender out. Open look. Uh, I think who was doing the game? Avery Johnson was was doing the game on Avery True TV. Avery was doing the game. You can't ask for a better look than that. You're That's not going to get Avery a Johnson. better look. But it really was a good look. He was just short and uh, uh, a foul and free throw, whatever. It's over. The same thing happened at the end of the Mississippi State pit game. Wide open look for three to to win the game for Mississippi State. They brick it. Pit sixty. Mississippi State 59. So Pitt advances to see Iowa State in the opening round. Yeah, the 11th seed in the Midwest region. And keep in mind that there have been 11 years now. uh, This is the 12th year of the NCAA tournament having the first four. So the field expanding to 68 teams. And 10 of those 11 years, we have seen a team from the first four advance to the second round. Now, it hasn't been the 16 seeds, so it's been the 11 seeds. So you have to decide, if you're filling out your bracket, which of these 11th seeds do you think has the best chance to pull an upset in the first round? Let's start with the one that we know is already in the field, and that is Pitt. Your chances or your thoughts on Pitt's chances to pull an upset. I hate this Pitt team because they're terrible defensively. I don't think they're the kind of team who can pull an upset. Uh, It's one thing to hold a Mississippi State offense that's absolutely dreadful. It's one thing to hold them down, but holding down a decent offense. This this team in their last game before Mississippi State, they gave up 81 points to Mm. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, who can't score 81 points in two games sometimes. So they are in a real bad spot defensively. I'm not letting this one data point where they held down a dead offense take me off of that. I think that they are in a bad spot here against Iowa State. Okay, history of your teams to advance from the first four. As I mentioned, 10 of the 11 tournaments that it has existed, at least one at-large team has advanced to the second round. Sometimes there's been more. Uh, two teams have advanced to the final four, from the first four to the final four. That was the famous call when VCU did it in 2011. UCLA did it more recently in 2021. Three others advanced to the Sweet 16. Let's take a look at the matchups tonight. The 16th seed matchup in the East region for the right to face off against Purdue in the first round, Fairly Dickinson and Texas Southern. Yeah, I like Texas Southern here. This is like you're going to look at Texas now, Southern. Now remember, Fairly Dickinson got into the tournament by default. Yeah, they didn't even win their conference. They didn't win their crappy conference. Uh, Texas Southern, you're going to look at them and you're going to say, 14 and 20? That's terrible. And mm-hmm. you're right, it is terrible. But a lot better late than it was early. This is a team that started out four and 14 but this is also a team this is the this is their early schedule i'm going to read you their first handful of games 
at San Francisco, at Texas Tech, home to Arizona State, home to Oral Roberts, at Houston, at Auburn, at Samford, at Kansas. Boy, they made a lot of money in cash grab games. Absolutely. (laughs) And they turned it on late. This is a team that is, you know, they're used to getting to the tournament. They got a coach in Johnny Jones who's been a a regular in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Fairleigh Dickinson ranks 360th out of 363 in defensive efficiency. They are not stopping anything uh, I like Texas Southern. It, it's funny to see a team that's 14 and 20 favored mm-hmm. in, a, in a tournament game, but I think it's rightfully so. What's the total in this game? Do you like the over? Just because you said you don't think you don't see them stopping anybody, Fairy Dickinson. The Does Texas ol- Southern score enough. It's the only thing the- I can see happening. Yeah, the totals at 147 right now. It's been bet down a little from 148 and a half. Okay. Uh, there's actually some 146 and a halfs out there. Mm. Uh, it would be over or nothing. For okay. Me. The 11th seed matchup in the West region for the right to advance to face TCU, Nevada, who is somehow in this tournament against Arizona State. Now, Arizona State's a two-point favorite, but I will say this, AJ. It tends to happen a lot that the team that you don't think deserves to be in the tournament does tend to happen. wins the game. Nevada is the team that doesn't deserve to be in the tournament. I thought they were going to be out of the tournament. I had them as my last out. Uh, I had Rutgers as my last in. Mm-hmm. It, the committee flipped those two. Of course, Rutgers uh, died in the first round of the NIT yesterday, so it was a, a non-point yeah. anyway. Uh, but this Nevada team is playing really, really poorly right now. Their last three games were losses to teams that you just couldn't lose to when you were in their situation. Like No one would have felt bad for Nevada if they didn't make the tournament because they had three chances against bad teams to get a win and lock it up. And they lost all three of those games. And even the win before that was against Fresno State, who's you know, second-worst team, third-worst team in the Mountain West Conference. They beat them by four points. Mm-hmm. This team is just not running well right now. Arizona State, they beat USC in the Pac-12 tournament. Won that long ago. We saw them beat Arizona on Arizona's home floor. Uh, they almost beat USC on USC's home floor to end the regular season. Arizona State's got a lot of fight to them. It's Arizona State or nothing for me here. I can't back Nevada. It's so funny because I mentioned it's the team that you don't that you think does not deserve to be in the tournament that gets into the first four. They win the game, right? The reference point that I'm thinking about is a couple of years ago, probably like five years ago now. Well, 2018. So is that five years? Yeah, Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Syracuse oh, did not deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. People were pissed. They get in as a team in the first four. Not only do they win that game in the first four, who did they beat? Arizona State. Arizona State. Then they advanced to the first round where they won and advanced to the second round. Who'd they beat in the first round? TCU. Oh, was it TCU? That's funny. Think about this. I remember them beating Michigan State. I did, like, and then they beat Michigan State and went to the, the Sweet 16. Yes. So think about the history now of the last time that I can remember a team that didn't deserve to be in the NCAA tournament that played in the first four. They played Arizona State and won and then matched up with TCU. That's funny. And then won. So let me go back to my bracket here. They and would not I, match up with Michigan State. I might have to have, though, the, you know what, in my gut bracket. Can you do me a favor and just read what I wrote read there? Out, read out your gut. In the gut bracket. What did I select in the uh, again, the TCU game in the first round? Uh, it looks like Arizona State or Nevada. You you were playing the pigtail game into the uh, the. Tournament. I wrote, I selected Arizona State, Nevada winner over TCU in the first round. Now, I will say this, the, the game... On th- on Friday, so mm-hmm. the winner of this game will play TCU. It's in Denver. Arizona State plays a couple games at altitude every year on the mountain trip in the Pac-12. Nevada, Nevada pretty plays, much plays all of their games at altitude. Nevada is at altitude. So like, I don't think that Nevada would be affected by the Denver trip. They may have the winner of this play. Nevada game, probably has an advantage over TCU playing agreed. at altitude. That's what I'm, I think. The winner of this game in general has an altitude advantage over TCU. What's the Reno's altitude is probably close to Denver. Yeah. Reno altitude is 4,500. Yeah. That's not much less than Denver. And Ari- think about Arizona plays in, they play in Colorado yeah. every year. They play in Utah every yep. year. They play these games. 
Wow. Uh, real quick, NIT, uh, you gave out the over in the Michigan game, so that hit. That was fun. Easy winner. Thanks. Easy winner. Uh, actually, a bunch of overs in the NIT. Sarah, uh, Rutgers and Hofstra went to overtime, but even that was pretty much going over. Um, I saw that there was a high-scoring game. Eastern Washington, Washington State was like 81-70 something. What is it about the NIT? Do you think that the play, they just – there's there's no intensity for defense. They don't care. Yeah. So here's what I believe. Like most of these teams, a lot of these teams are bummed out that they're playing in the NIT tournament. Mm-hmm. If you're going to give up intensity on one end of the of the court when you don't really care, it's on defense. It's yeah. like the NBA All Star game. I always say, like, if a game really doesn't matter, where does it lack? It's not on offense. It's on defense. You think so, a lot of these kids also just chucking up threes, too. Sure. What's yeah. the harm? Yeah. Playing in front of their home crowd. You shoot the three. The bench goes crazy. What's the harm? Running, yeah, just running up and down the court. They're just trying to put on a show at that point. Uh, let's take a look at some interesting games tonight. Florida, Central Florida, and Florida two-and-a-half-point favorites. Do, do we tend to like the dogs, too, in, in the NIT? Yeah, I well, I certainly do in this game. I don't like Florida. I haven't liked Florida since they lost Colin Castleton. I can't like them here. And Florida, another example of a team that's used to being in the big dance. Mm-hmm. This is a bummer for them. Central Florida, eh, what? I mean, if you told them they were going to be in the NIT at the beginning of the season, is, are they disappointed? Yes. Is it the like? Are there is their fan base upset about it? Are they talking about firing their head coach? Probably not. So uh, I, I would lean towards the the Golden Knights here. Now this one is very interesting. Um, Oklahoma State is a number one seed mm-hmm. in this NIT. However, because of I would assume arena availability, they're on the road. Yeah, at Youngstown State. And OK State's a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Youngstown State is one of the teams uh, that they run. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I have brought up this stat before, the Evan Miyakawa kill shot stats. And Youngstown State is one of the top teams in the nation in going on 10-0 runs. Youngstown State's a top 50 offense. Uh, they play in the Horizon League, which is a, a, a league that doesn't value defense much. Mm-hmm. Youngstown's no exception. They are 266th in defense, but they are sharp on offense. They're top 20 uh, in two-point percentage. They're a top 15 free-throw shooting team. Uh, they don't turn the ball over. They're a very efficient offense. They can put up some points here. This is another game. I like the over. I'm I'm gonna say Youngstown State pulls an upset here at home. Okay, and they win this game. Yeah, over one forty eight and a half is the number you can get now. I think this goes over. Uh, Clemson fifteen and a half point favorites over Moorhead State. It's a big number to cover. That is a big number. Moorhead State coming out of the Ohio Valley. This is the worst the Ohio Valley Conference has been in forever. The three teams that have consistently dominated the Ohio Valley: uh, Belmont, mm-hmm. Murray State, Austin P. All left the conference wow. in the offseason and left the dregs behind. <laughs> it, Moorhead State took the throne, although they couldn't win the, the conference championship tournament. Uh, they were the best of those teams, but they're not very good. It's, it's, a, it's a long haul here, but I don't know if I'm g- giving 15 and a half, 16 points with, yeah. with Clemson against anybody. Speaking of a big number, North Texas, 17-point favorites against Alcorn State. North Texas is one of those teams, you look at their record and you're like, this team didn't make the big dance? North Texas is the kind of team I could pick to, to blow out a team like Alcorn State. Okay. It, it would not surprise me at all. North uh, North Texas is uh, analytically kind of beloved. Uh, they, they're a team that they're top they're 41 in Ken Palm. Mm. Uh, they are very, very slow. They grind games down to nothing, but they give absolutely no space on defense. They make it very difficult to score. Alcorn, not a team that's uh, that's very good offensively anyway. They can't hit outside shots. They rely on getting to the free throw line to get points. I don't think that happens here. Uh, I think they're in, in real danger of getting blown out. North Texas, 12-2 and two at home this year. The arena in Denton, Texas called Dickies. The super pit. Oh, yeah. That's badass. Uh, Vatek at Cincinnati. Cincinnati, five-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, Vatek's a team that I haven't had a good feel for. I, it felt, I, all season long, I thought they were kind of underachieving, and they were they were at any mm-hmm. point going to blow up, and they just never did. So uh, don't have a good feel for them. Don't, they're certainly talented enough to compete. I, I don't know what to expect from them. Santa Clara, four-and-a-half-point favorites over Sam Houston. <sighs> this is tough. This is uh, If I'm not mistaken, this is another one of those games where – 
Sam Houston was supposed to be the home team, but this is ga- this game's being played at Santa Clara instead. Uh, I, I tend to lean to the home team here in Santa Clara, although Sam Houston, had a very good season. Utah Valley at New Mexico. New Mexico, a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I can't bet New Mexico anymore. I made myself stop. There's, <laughs> okay. a, there's an anonymous New Mexico betters anonymous club. Uh, I would lean to them here, but I will not be betting on them. And they are, they're a perfect team for the NIT because yeah. they don't give a shit about defense. Nice. They're looking to score, score, score. And this is not the super pit. This is just the pit. The pit. Yeah. Amazing uh, arena, by the way. And Oregon hosting UC Irvine. The Ducks are a seven-point favorite. Yeah, I like Irvine here. Uh, this is uh, one of those spots where I think one team's excited to be in this tournament. I mean, although Irvine, uh, they'd much rather be in the big dance, but being the, the second-best team in the Big West isn't a big disappointment. Oregon expects to be in the tournament every year. Uh, they were down this year. I, I think Irvine gives them some matchup problems, too. There's your college basketball, the playing games, and the NIT matchups for tonight. NFL free agency, hot and heavy. Let's the go. The moves are coming down. This is the legal tampering period, which sounds like an oxymoron because tampering, I guess, by definition is illegal. Except for two days, right? Except for the two days before yeah. the new league year begins in the NFL, which is going to begin here on Wednesday. We welcome in the man, the myth, and some would call a legend, R.J. Bell joins us on Straight Out of Vegas. Been a while, AM. R.J. I, I think the legend part is for sure. It's just, is it a good legend or a bad legend? <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, yeah. I think that's the debate. What would, you, what would you want to be the least? Man, myth, or legend? I guess you'd want to be the legend. You don't want to be a myth. I want to be a man is what I really want. But we'll see one day. You're almost there. You never know, though, you know? Until you, like, you were in the service, right? You yeah. Know, you, if you're, but... Because the circumstances beyond your control, you didn't weren't in live combat. Right. I think if you've gone to live combat, you know if you're a man or not. I or, agree. With that. Or, or, I don't think maybe that's not even the way to say. It. You know if you have courage or not. Yeah. You know. He's also been in a cage though with another man trying to beat him up. That's true. That's a good point. If you if you could literally die in a sports competition, not that di- it's not that hard to envision like a maiming. That that's pretty manly. How much can you really know about yourself until you've been punched in the face? Now I'll make one last point. <laughs> when you have three thousand dollars your name and you bet thirty five hundred on a game, there's some courage on that. Oh yeah, I'm been just... there. <laughs> I mean, so no, enough about yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some of the moves that were made in the NFL. Uh, it was a busy day yesterday, and RJ, I want your 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 take on this. So there was a report that came out. ESPN's Diana Rossini said that Aaron Rodgers gave the Jets a list of free agents that he wanted them to target. Among them, wide receiver Alan Lazard, whom the Jets did yesterday agree to a deal with. So they are already trying to, I don't want to say bend over backwards, they are already trying to make moves for Aaron Rodgers without having Aaron Rodgers on their team. All right, I got a couple of questions about this. One, what does Lazard, Cobb, these people that are part of his group, inner circle, what do they do for him? Because what could it be that you'd say, that's that's too much? Like, if he said, I want my feet rubbed every night, <laughs> and you guys are alternating who's coming by. I mean, Cobb, would he even be in the NFL last season if it, if it wasn't for Rodgers? And if so, how many millions more did he make? It's a good question. Yeah, I, I don't think he would have been. Maybe if he, let's just say this, he couldn't have made even half of what he made. He certainly wouldn't have been able to, like, demand his way out of Houston. So I go back to this question. What could Aaron Rodgers ask for from Cobb that Cobb should reasonably say no? Nothing. I mean, yeah. it's like. he Like, he's literally his dad. <laughs> well, no, most dads don't do that. That's true. Like, when what's Cobb? 30-some years old, yeah. right? How many dads are doing things for him that make millions of dollars? <laughs> but in a way, Aaron Rodgers— He's a sugar daddy is what I meant. Well, I don't know about that. So but, think about this. For Lazard, though, 27 years old, played last season as a restricted free agent. So he made $3.96 million. It was the first year in his career that he made more than the league minimum. Okay, which and is now a million, I think. And now he signed for four years, $44 million. So that, I'm just going to do some quick math. That's over $10 million a year. Yeah. 
So he never made more than a million. Yeah. And now he's making 40. Mm -hmm. Now, again, those contracts, and you've got to learn how to, you know, I'm saying to the listeners, how do you look at what's guaranteed? Yeah. How many years? Is there And we don't have the details yet because obviously they can't, they can only agree on deals now. Nothing can be signed until later on. Well, let's assume it's half as big, which it's always going to be at least that, you think. It's still a monster. And now the question becomes, if you're a New Yorker, if we only had a New Yorker, oh, wait, <laughs> we got Scott. So honest to God, don't, I mean, New York's about having balls. It's about tough. How tough do the Jets look right now? That Aaron Rodgers is pointing his finger and they're scurrying to do what he says. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's 40 years old and he had a season Last year, that was what? Where do you re-rank it in the NFL? 12th, 13th, 14th? Generously, it was yeah, just outside the top 10. How many quarterbacks near the age of 40 have a down year and then are back the next year better than ever? Never? Never seen it. Never? Yeah, because because Brady, Brady, he, never really he had, had a down year and he just said, I'm out. <laughs> well, you but it even wasn't even a down year. For Brady's standards, no, it certainly was a down I year. I would make the case... That Brady's last year in New England was worse than last year. So you could maybe say that would be the sign he's down, but they had such a dearth of playmakers. Yeah. That maybe, but, and you could say Green Bay had a lack of playmakers. And at the end of the year, Green Bay was like 12th in efficiency on offense. So in a way, I could say maybe he's the eighth or ninth best quarterback, but he, the downward trend has begun, it yeah. seems. He's not going to keep getting better from here. Or even up to, I mean, he was a two-time MVP just recently. If you were getting that guy for four years, maybe, then I can see some of this. But here's what we do know. He was a two-time MVP with Nathaniel Hackett as his offensive coordinator. Well, but Jets, was he the OC or was it LaFleur? LaFleur was the head coach. But Hackett was the, the OC. LaFleur. Yeah. Still, you're in the quarterback room. You're in the meetings. Mm -hmm. You're in the practice with Nathaniel Hackett. Mm -hmm. Hackett's the offensive coordinator for the Jets. The complaint is or at least the uh, presumption at the start of last season why the Packers did not look good on offense was Rodgers and his receivers. Everything was off, mm -hmm. right? No Devontae Adams. Timing was off with the rookies. It just didn't work. Now, could maybe part of that be he wouldn't come to the offseason? That camps? is, yes, very possible. But now you have a wide receiving core that features Garrett Wilson, the reigning offensive rookie of the year. You put Lazard in a spot where he doesn't have to be the number one like he was last year on the Packers. He can be the number two, and you got Elijah Moore in the slot. Jets are probably going to cut Corey Davis to save up some money, so I'm not even going to count him, and who knows, and they already released Braxton Berrios, so not counting him as well. I, I'm curious to see what other moves the Jets made to add, to, to make, to add some offensive weapons, but it seems Do they have like any moves left on the cap? I think by if once they release Corey Davis, they'll probably free up some cap space. And yeah, here's the thing. If they do do this with Rogers and it seems like that's going to happen, it seems like it's going to happen. They will have to sell out like three years from now. Forget about it. They're going to stink again. That's mm -hmm. what I'm saying is you have such a good young. Now, here's the thing. You got two potential offensive or they had both the offensive defensive rookie of the year, right? Yes. And they had the guy who was, was the offensive rookie there before the he got hurt. Yeah. The yeah. running back, right? So if you got three guys on rookie deals entering year two, mm -hmm. that means year two is rock solid three and four. You got three good years left. And then this is got, the window right now. That's it. The, well, but that's the thing is, yeah, if you never draft another good player, mm -hmm. but it's like that. Look at Seattle. Seattle drafted two tackles that people like. They drafted their cornerback people like. And they're talking about how this is a renaissance in Seattle off of a couple of picks. I would say the Jets have met that this last year. Why make it where in three years you're, you're dead in the water? And however good Aaron Rodgers is next year, he's going to be less the year after. Yep. And could we even envision him in three years being at the end good? of this deal? Because it's hard to. except for Tom Brady, we acted like Tom Brady reset the clock on Father Time, right? Who has been good past Tom Brady past forty one? I mean, Drew Brees. We can debate if he was good or not. Went to like 40, 40. Who else is gone? That's it. Manning gone. Disaster. Yeah, like uh, or they well, just fall off the map. He fell off. Big Ben fell off. Uh, Rivers fell off. 
Eli Manning fell off. All the quarterbacks of that generation, except for the guy that eats avocado ice cream. Mm-hmm. And now he finally dropped off, but he did it at 45. Why do we think anyone else is going to be? If I said there's one guy that acts different than anyone, and then there's everyone else, and everyone else falls off by 40, 41, he didn't. Now there's a guy coming up who does illicit drugs. I was going to say Aaron Rodgers acts different than everyone. <laughs> but not in a way that you right. Usually if, if you said, hey, uh, Kenny the Snake Stabler, the snake, he, he likes some illicit substances. No, I'm good. Do you think to yourself – He's probably going to play to his mid forties. No. Well, I'm not saying ayahuasca or what. I don't know if it's good or bad or what. But I don't think Aaron Rodgers is focused on his health the way he's focused on his mental health. I don't get it. I he's don't transcending get it. to a spiritual plane. In which I don't. And, and to be honest, <laughs> how with does you, that help the Jets? I think we all joke about that stuff because we're as guys we're a little uncomfortable with someone being so in touch with their own feelings, and we all kind of wish that we were more like that. Though we see the way it looks on him and think. Well, he can't really pull it off. So maybe I'm right to be quiet about this quest because let's be honest, he's getting made fun of, right? More yeah. than anything. I think it's kind of cool that, not cool, I think it's admirable he's striving. I agree. But he loves the attention too much. I mean, he loves the, this stuff about, this was a billion dollar, or I don't know, a hundred million dollars of branding when he went into the, the darkness retreat. Mm-hmm. I've never heard people talk about something more than that. Is he out of the darkness yet? I, the guy is actually maybe a marketing genius because he gets attention like no one's business. I don't know if that wins football games. Well, we'll see. He's going to be on the Pat McAfee show. Uh, oh. And, and uh, everyone's expecting there to be an announcement about his future. Are you a Jets fan? Yes. What are you hoping for? That Aaron Rodgers is a Jets quarterback. So you like all this? Yes. Lazard? Yes. Cobb? Yes. Mercedes Lewis, hopefully. This is a sign. Odell Beckham Jr. This is a sign of what desperation. and It really feels that way. Yes. That's what I'm saying. He's been waiting so long. So let me ask you a question. Sanchez brought you guys to two championship games. Mm -hmm. It seems like there's been revisionist history that that never happened. Not for me. That was a great time. A Final Four team. Twice. Think about the Browns and the decision they made with Deshaun Watson that felt like, oh, my God, they were just like. We'll do whatever it takes to get this guy. If you go 20 years, you've got nothing at quarterback, and then you've got a chance to have something, you'll bend over backwards, apparently. The the one thing, yes, and the one thing that bothers me, I guess, a little bit is that we've seen it before with the Jets when they did this with Brett Favre. The revisionist history, though, of that time is that people don't remember that the Jets were 8-3 and three and one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl before Favre got hurt. So This was before Minnesota, right? Yes. Uh-huh. So everyone just says, oh, it was such a, a disaster, Favre going to the Jets. They were 8-3, and three, and I remember the back page of the New York newspapers because the Jets were 8-3 and three and the Giants were 8-3, and three and they were the favorites to win the AFC and the NFC, and it was, here we are, Jets, Giants, Super Bowl, very likely. And... Favre gets hurt. The Jets lose like five of their remaining six games, whatever it was, and it was a disaster. I mean, the fact that Favre almost was in the Super Bowl with Minnesota after makes the case that he wasn't too old in New York. No. Here's my point, though, with Rodgers. Let's go back to the year before and the year before that of his MVP. So you had minus two years, minus one year, MVP, MVP last year. So we're going back five years. He, five years ago, was a slightly above average quarterback. Like he would have been like 35 at yep. the time. The next year, he was slightly above average. Me and Doug Gottlieb on air had a long, like a fight over, like he thought Aaron Rodgers was still great. I'm like, maybe he could be great, but his record or his numbers aren't, right? He had, now they draft Jordan Love. MVP, MVP. Now last year's MVP, you could de- or the last MVP you could debate, but he was certainly top two or three, yep. okay? What motivated him there? Because they said he came back cut up, ready to go after Jordan. Maybe physically it helped him. But here's the thing. Aaron Rodgers is like the guy who had the heart attack and he starts eating celery. Like he comes to Thanksgiving dinner with like Tupperware full of celery. Right? A year or two later, he's not that celery is nowhere to be found, right? He last year was indulgent. He was indulgent three, four years ago with his the passes he'd throw, the way he'd audible in and out. And I'm not a football, I'm not a uh, quarterback expert, 
But they're saying he actually ran the offense the way it was supposed to be the first two years, and last year he didn't. By all accounts, he was like there were things open, and he wasn't throwing the pass where he was supposed to. This is what the quarterback people say. Does this Jets experience feel like he's going to be disciplined and buttoned up, or does it feel like he's being indulged? That this is a chance for excess. Aaron Rodgers' excess is what it feels like. I mean, the fact that Aaron Rodgers said, here's a list of players I would like you to get, Mm -hmm. feels like indulge is a good word. Like a shopping list. Yeah. Except they're $40 a clip. Now, before I accept the trade to you, you're going to have to sign these players. You have to sign Randall Cobb. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) And you think he would understand enough in a hard cap league that if he's signing his friends to premium deals, yeah, they're making the money, but that means you can't actually buy other players. Like, by definition, there's a finite amount of money. Unless he, he just goes for it for the year and then retires. But he, but then the trade, what kind of trade, what trade would you be happy with as a Jets fan? If they don't have to go up the 13th overall pick. So if they gave a number one, do they have two number ones this year? This year, no. If they give up the 13th, they are idiotic. Oh, my God. If they give up a one next year, I think, yeah. But here's the thing. If they don't, if if the Packers say you've got to give up the 13th pick or you don't get Aaron Rodgers, what do the Jets do? See, I disagree. I think the Green Bay is in a more of a vulnerable situation than the Jets. Do you Can you imagine taking Aaron Rodgers back now? After all the reporting coming out of Green Bay, how they're done with him, and he's incorrigible, intolerable? I don't know. I, I think they must have a deal or, or to be honest, Green Bay is idiotic because you're letting him get courted. You're letting all this happen. And what? And then you're going to negotiate at the end of all this? I, I think the Jets are in a vulnerable spot, but I think Green Bay is even more so. Let me ask you this. If Aaron Rodgers went back to Green Bay by some force where he had to go back, would you be high on Green Bay? No. Eh. I'm not betting the Jets. I'm not high on Aaron Rodgers' stock. Aaron Rodgers is high. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, other moves around the NFL. Let's stick in New York. The Giants acquired Darren Waller in a trade from the Raiders. So now the what Giants. What was the trade? So uh, they basically. This is what's. This is what's interesting. They traded away the pick that they got in the Kadarius Tony deal mm-hmm. from the Chiefs. So essentially, they turned Kadarius Tony into Darren Waller. Now that's a good. That's deal. an upgrade. Now, obviously, in the NFL, and this is the time of year you've got to focus on the money, right? Is so. For example, we'll probably get to the Ramsey trade. That trade doesn't make sense on the, one of the best cornerbacks. But you look at his contract; it's onerous. It's it's expensive, and thus, if you're willing to pay that premium, these teams want to get rid of these guys, especially when they're not in a winning situation anymore. Yeah. So, in general, I think kudos to the Giants because they do have – now, listen, after Daniel Jones and and after Saquon with the, uh, you know, franchise, again, for running backs, it's reasonable. I'm not sure how much money – and it looks like we got this right here. So, the Giants on – where's the Giants at? Oh, they don't have much cap left, do they? Oh, my mm. gosh. So the Giants are the third worst cap situation behind the Saints and the Rams. Good company. <laughs> but somehow the Waller thing, I mean, that must be their last hurrah, but that's a nice get. Now, the one thing I'll say is mysterious injuries last year. By all accounts, there was a disenchanted. Uh, let's just say Waller wasn't happy, and it seems like he wasn't playing in spots where some people thought he could. Now, guys like that, can they get happy? Maybe. But, boy, that's a, a potential uh, conflict if somehow he's not happy in New York. Yeah. But he's a talent for sure. Yeah, there is speculation. At least some people are speculating that, you know, he he married Kelsey Plum, mm-hmm. who's one of the stars of the, the WNBA's Aces. So maybe there was something that, uh, I mean, Josh McDaniels was the one who reportedly leaked the news of them getting married to the to reporters. Like, it—, it uh, like vis- like vindictively? Yeah, I don't. I, I, there was something about that Darren Waller was not happy with McDaniel's yeah, that he let the public or let the reporters know about this wedding and stuff. So, I'll get you back. Yeah, I, I think that may- maybe McDaniel's wasn't happy that he's running around town with his wife and wanting to focus on football. And I don't know. Yeah, obviously, I'm speculating, was, but there was something, something there. there. Was some disconnect. Now, I do want to back up for one second. What is your definition of a star? 
because you said there's a star in the WNBA. That seems oxymoronic. Ah. I'm going to say. Cheryl Swoops. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe. Uh, a star uh, would say, would, would like, people are shining, know them. shining from a distance. <laughs> yeah. People know them. All right, all right. You say the name, you, you've heard it before. Plum? If I said Kelsey Plum. No. No, I didn't. Though she sounds attractive. Very. That's what I'm saying. So I would look. Cheryl like, Miller. Star. Yeah, I'd say. If I, if I said Kelsey Plum, you really never heard the name before? No. Come on. You watch enough. You read enough ESPN. You, think, you, know? you, you co-host with him. Do you think he just lies? He, I might, think, he I, might say goofy jokes sometimes. I, I think this is lie. like a too, too, too cool for school moment right now. Sue Bird, I know. Yeah. Sue Bird's a star. I, I don't know Kelsey Plum. All right. All right. Don't know Kelsey Plum. I rest First, my case. Number one overall pick. It's all right. Anyway. I missed that draft. <laughs> Who was number two that year? Uh, that I Oh, come know. on, Mr. She, that's not a star. Come on, Mr. Wikipedia. Like, oh, I know. Plum. 2017, 2017 WNBA draft. I don't know. Oh, jeez. Uh, I do know that it's the Aces and the uh, Liberty that have, like, all the players in the WNBA, apparently. After free agency. I guess I should. If she plays here in Vegas, I probably should know. Nah. Yeah, you're right. They are the defending champs. You Listen, know that, right? You you've got 360 college basketball schools to think of. 363. About. And I'll tell you this: time to give AJ some love. We just finished two days of podcasts. It lasted about two days for 48 hours. <laughs> it seems and, like it felt like it. <laughs> and AJ shined. Now on day one, we gave him a B plus. On day two, an A. Listen, if you haven't listened, listen up. That's what I'll say. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, those podcasts available on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Yes. It looks like the Philadelphia Eagles are moving on from Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders tweeted, thanks for everything, Philadelphia. Is this like is Philadelphia a system team? Does it matter who fills in at running back? They signed Rashad Penny from Seattle. Like, is, What would the system be? I mean, I get standing behind Jalen Hurts makes you a better <laughs> running team. I, I don't know. Like, well, it, didn't, I think we saw, especially in the playoffs last year, what Kenneth Gainwell can do in this yeah. offense. And I, I think that Miles Sanders really is wasn't wasn't expendable because I mean he's been the lead back for the last several. Yeah, years. Yeah, but I, I think that they're fine handing the reins over to Gainwell now. Haven't you heard running backs don't matter? I have heard that. And here's the thing: I think generally, what that means is there's a lot of interchangeable parts. That, yeah, you can't get a guy off the street, but in general, you don't have to pay for a running back. And if you do, they better be, and when I say pay, I mean above the you know the uh, average price, but they better be a weapon. Mike Lombardi talks about this concept. There's running backs and there's weapons. Mm -hmm. And a weapon is usually going to be able to catch the ball. That's Gainwell. Gainwell's a weapon. And if you can do both... Now you got some value. And there's a running back. Uh, what is he out of Texas? Who's the running back? He's John Robinson. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Was he out of? Yeah, Texas. Yeah. I'm in love with this I'm kid. I'm going to draft him in my dynasty league. Oh, yeah. my this God. This is the debate is, you know, Saquon went in the first round early, early. Second overall. Yeah. Is that second? Wow. That was like fourth or something. Disgusting. Zeke Elliott went high. Yeah. But that's now been how long? Eight, nine years yeah. ago. And then Steelers drafted a guy like 25. So... There hasn't been many number ones. Now, the question is, you're hearing talk of this guy going nine. So, I'm not saying he's going to go nine, but, I mean, they're saying potentially this is a pick that the Bears might make because the theory is they're such a running team after the trade. I don't know. But I do know this. In general, Philly, I think, isn't a system in that they – if the system is anything, it's talent acquisition. They have the ability – with Howie Wo Roseman to be a, re a wheeler and dealer. He's making moves. Think about how he put this team together. It was at different points throughout the summer. Oh, he gets it, he trades with the Giants, right, for one of their cornerbacks, picks another one up off the scrap heap. In general, he's just been a bargain shopper, and he's been great. But now they're going to have to pay Hurts. Remember, not a fifth-year option. So this is, you know, effectively his contract year. Uh, my my gut feeling is he's going to get signed fast, mm. and, and 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 now all of a sudden the salary cap changes. But you know, I think it's hard to say. Looking back on that Philly game, as much as it felt preordained against Kansas City, that maybe Mahomes should have won that, and he did. You think about it when you have a fumble like that that turns the game. You take that away. I think Philly wins the game, and I mean and and. If you have one situation like that, that the swings the game, that means it was at best it was a coin flip for Kansas City. Which it's it not, was. 
Yeah, so what I'm saying is you can't really question the process because you got to the point that you maybe should have even won the Super Bowl. But now it's going to be harder with the salary cap. It'll be fascinating. Before we let you get out of here, and we appreciate your time as always, let me ask you a Lamar thought. Mm -hmm. So somebody tweeted about Lamar yesterday about how Adam Schefter reported that Lamar turned down a $200 million guaranteed deal back in September. Lamar responded on Twitter. This is the first time that we've heard from Lamar in any capacity during this entire process. Uh, about the contract. Yes. Lamar's response, 133 slash three years fully guaranteed with a sad face, but I need an agent, question mark, with a laughing emoji. So okay. Lamar is basically confirming that the actual deal that he turned down was 133 for three years. So was the implication that was a good deal or a bad deal? Lamar is saying it's a joke of a deal. Okay. He's laughing at it. So by him saying, I need an agent. He's saying, but I need an agent? And that was saying that derisively like, as in uh, it's foolish to say, right? Yes. Like but, he's but, scoffing at the article saying like Lamar turned down $200 million and 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 he Lamar saying, but isn't the, please, it was 133. But isn't the question, wouldn't the question be why are you getting so lowballed? If the assumption is that's a low ball offer, which based on the market it is, then he's saying, hey, you say I'm not – effectively what he's saying is you're trying to claim I'm not doing things right? Well, look at the offer I got. Well, yeah, you're saying the offer sucks, so how mm-hmm. are you doing things right? So uh, Mike Garofalo of the NFL Network said that based on his understanding that the 133 fully guaranteed was part of a more extensive five-year offering. Without the guarantees, though. It was Correct. Saying. All right, so here's the thing. But Lamar wants the Deshaun Watson. The full guarantee. Now, this is going to reiterate stuff a lot of smart people have said, but I think I hear a lot of talk about this that isn't as on point, so I'll try to do it succinctly. One, the whole agent thing I think is important because now you're at the point he – it's a he said, he said with the team and the player. How doesn't that leave a mark? Right? How does it – how isn't the resentment – because think about it. To be an NFL player, you got to believe in your team enough to – usually put yourself through a lot of pain to play when you're not supposed to, or when most humans wouldn't play. Do you agree that often when a team puts a franchise guy on a tag, there's already some sort of like strife between those two parties? I think if they play on the tag, it, oftentimes it's something er- like with Dak, it's early. It's a leverage point. It's one of the points the NFL owners have been adamant about keeping because it really is a good segue to the difference between the Watson deal and Lamar. Effectively, the Watson deal was Houston was done with them. They said, go shop yourself. We know what we want, and if they agree to it, you can go wherever you want. Right? That was a fact. Is how I understand yes. it. You used to be in Houston. Yeah. Is that how you understand it? Okay. Yeah. So, which means he was effectively a free agent that there had to be compensation for with the draft. Okay. You say the Browns did whatever. I'm not sure the Browns – let's get – Beyond the ethics for a second, right? Of the the morality of what he did or didn't do, whatever. Which let's, is what I was including when I said that. I, I mean. Okay, but let's set that aside for a second. Okay. Now the question is, how good was Watson his last year playing? Fantastic. He, top five, no doubt about it. Better that he would, at the time, his standing in the league was better than Lamar's standing today. Yes. But by a couple slots, maybe. He was maybe third, fourth, fifth. Lamar's maybe sixth, seventh, eighth right now is the thought. Okay. So him getting a deal similar kind of makes sense on the surface. But then you think, well, who else has gotten this kind of guarantee? No one, because no quarterback ever is truly a free agent this good, Kirk Cousins being not near as good, but look at as much money as he got. So there's a premium that comes with that freedom that Lamar doesn't have because he could get franchised this year, he could get franchised next year, or he's already been franchised this year. He can get franchised next year. Someone can sign him, and then uh, Ravens have a right to match. There's a lot of steps to go through before Lamar is going to be really free. So how can you expect the same deal that a free effectively, um, and again, we're talking obviously contractually free, how could they expect the same deal? I don't think they could except Lamar. And apparently what I'm hearing is that Lamar, they're going back to Lamar and saying, okay, okay, we'll give you X for Y. Let's say an improved deal. No, no. And then they wait a week or two and say they come. And, you know, negotiation 101, you don't negotiate against yourself. Is it possible that Lamar is trying to, like he would say, no, 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 in hopes that 
he gets to the situation with the Ravens that Deshaun got to with the Texans, where they want to move him on. Okay. Then if that's the case, he's still... So your theory is that they're going to... He's being... You're saying potentially he's being especially stubborn, obstinate, obstinate, and and to the point, like, maybe he goes and, like, poops in the punch bowl, whatever it takes to get out of town, and then at that point... Whoever takes him, he's effectively a free agent. Yeah, but isn't there a consequence for the team that might trade for him that if you act that way there? I mean, isn't that kind of like the Durant syndrome? I mean, it's the risk that Cleveland took. Except except that risk was about the massages, not about any stubbornness on Well, remember, before the massage stuff came out, Deshaun Watson was like, I'm not playing for you. I'm not playing for the Texans again. Well, who knows how that would have played out, though. Exactly. Well, this is my question. What if Lamar pulls a Le'Veon Bell? And just decides I'm going to sit out a year? That was a, that was a disaster for Bell, wouldn't you say? It got him to the Jets. Um, yeah. Which he got like one what year. What a prize. But, yeah. But, but yeah, but he got one year, like, what was it? Like, it was a decent amount, but mm-hmm. like 11 or 12, and then it was like one year. Was yeah. It? But, so what if he does sit out? I mean, I guess the Ravens could still tag him again and prevent him from being a free well, agent. First off, if he doesn't play on next year, he, he, they'd still be on the first tag. Like he has until, like, it's like week 10 of the season or whatever it is to sign the tender, yeah. right? So, so it, what you're saying is maybe he waits and then signs it at the very end so he gets credit for the year? Yes. Then you're starting to get at the point where I think you really eliminate teams that are going to want to deal with you. I mean, I would. Then, you're, then now you're just the malcontent. And, yeah, yeah, I think. Now, it doesn't mean no one wants to deal with sure. him, but it seems like your negotiation position is weakened in that case. And it, here's what I know. Lamar came into the league— as the last pick in the first round, meaning there was real uncertainty. In fact, tell me the other quarterback picked in the first round after pick 20 that's ever been successful in the in recent memory. Like, it's either you go in the top half of the first or you go in the second or beyond or third or beyond. And those are long shots, but it happens. Right? Yeah. It's rare that someone gets drafted late in the first. And that was an, and all that means is it was the Ravens saying we don't think it's a sure thing, but hey, we can trade up because that's their second pick in the first or second pick they had. They traded up and got him. They built the entire team around him, meaning the offense, the defense, the kind of linemen they have. Now you might say they didn't get enough playmakers for him, but they tried. How many NFL teams are willing to completely revamp their system for a player? And it's made him a guy that's turning down potential. You know, 150 million guaranteed mm-hmm. or whatever. He was not in any position to make anything near that. I'm not saying he owes everything to the Ravens, and I hate the Ravens. I'm a Steelers fan, but I will say I respect them in this case. I especially respect they're not bending over because let's be honest, it was a, a, a we want to call it a gangster move to put him on the non-exclusive tag. By the way, just a quick glance, like you're so right about this. Teddy Bridgewater was the 32nd overall pick. He was the last pick of the first round. Last time there was like a really successful guy that got picked outside the top 20 in the first round, Aaron Rodgers. And I mean, that's been 20 2005. Years. Yeah, so. And that was the 20, 24th pick or something? 24th pick. Yeah. Well, Jordan Love's coming on strong, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, I I respected the hell out of Lamar playing this year without everyone. said, so you can't play without a deal. It's like he said, bring it on, man. And I respected that. And I hate the Ravens. But then there's questions about, let's be honest, he should have been with his team in the playoff game. If you you can't play, you can't play. You should be with your team. I agree. And, And it's not even for the owners or whatever. It's for your team. So I don't know. You know, I don't know. And I know this. There's something wrong with the first guy that wants to be his own agent doing one of the most complex negotiations you're ever going to see. If you're to, the whole theory of no agent is this is rote. This is rubber stamp stuff. I'm slotted in a slot. Why do I have to pay a guy, you know, I'll pay a lawyer 700 an hour instead. These are complex negotiations. He wants something no one's ever gotten in his situation before. How does he think him and his mom's going to get it? I don't care if his mom's a, a scientist with a PhD. You're not an, an agent. You're not a lawyer. Yeah. I mean, it's just a different. It's not about intelligence. Even I don't know if his mom could be dumb. It could be smart. I don't know. But I know she's not an agent. He's not an agent. I, I think they're specialized. Listen, Ari Gold was good at what he did. Entourage. Yeah. Phone. We, we got it.
Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, I, Scott's seen it five times or something. Yeah, yeah, right. I just finished my I rewatch. Mean, do you think Ari was ago. good or not? When Ari he got was dra- fantastic. When drama came up, he got drama. He got him the TV movie. Remember? Yeah, yeah. He did a great. He did a great job. I well, Lloyd, talk, Lloyd got him the TV stuff. Don't we got to talk Bears a little bit? I think we should. Yeah, the Bears giving up the giving up the number one overall pick. What were your thoughts on the hall? Because I think the consensus is. I think is, when you call it a hall, you kind of know. Yeah, <laughs> they, they won the day here, right? It was a good return. I think it was an excellent return. I mean, getting the receiver more to me, DJ Moore, was the key to it. Because if you look at the available free agents at receiver, who's the best one? Beyond Lazard. Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers or mm-hmm. Odell Beckham. Okay, and Beckham and Myers is, is going to the Raiders now. Yeah, so. Myers isn't available anymore. And Beckham's a big question sure. mark, right, health-wise. So, because, again, receivers entering 30, whatever, and they often need that miss an entire year. Yeah, who knows, right? Um, now, what's the key to getting a receiver next year? Well, one, you look at the excess value of this contract – they're, they're saying it's effectively like $7 million every year that he should be getting paid more. So this is a really sweet con- – it's the opposite of a Ramsey. The contract's at a premium maybe now. This is a at a discount. But now you got one year to decide on fields. You can, I mean, really, you got one. Now, again, if he has a good year and not a great year, they'll probably keep him. But if he's a disaster this year, you can't keep him probably. And thus, you've got to give him some players, linemen, Receivers. Well, I think, you know, they went from at the beginning of the year we were talking about they haven't done anything to, to help him. Because he was on the way out. It yeah. was a different regime. But to go out and get Chase Claypool midseason. Bad trade for them. Yeah. But, no, um, it is a horrible trade. Steelers got the 32nd pick off yeah. of that. <laughs> but now to have Chase Claypool, DJ Moore. Yeah. Equiminius St. Brown, Darnell Mooney. Suddenly it feels like. That's a good receiving that's core. A, that's a pretty damn good core. I'd make the case as a top. It's certainly a top 10, if not. Yeah. Uh, so, now they do let uh, David Montgomery goes to the Lions today. So they're, they're running, or yesterday. What's he, the running back's coach? <laughs> How old is he? <laughs> I mean, he's three, a good back. <laughs> yeah, he was a good back. Yeah. All right. I mean, what was that guy from the Cowboys that went when you. Emmett Smith? No, bef- no, after <laughs> Emmett Smith, he had a. a the ro- Ronda, uh, uh, the- uh, Barber? Uh, oh, uh, uh, no. Uh, what was his name? It was D something. And he led the league one year running. And then uh, he went to the Eagles after. Jo- not Marion Barber. Um, yeah. That was something guy. Jones. D. Jones. DeMarco, DeMarco Murray. Murray. That's right. Yeah. M- McKenzie comes through. Um, DeMarco Murray had a hell of a year he did. one year, and then it was over, right? I mean, yeah. Well, and if, you, if, if what you're saying is true, that the Bears are considering B. John Robinson at nine. Suddenly, that's pretty expendable anyway. And that's what people are saying because the theory is that's high for a back, but this is such a running attack. I don't think anybody laughs at them if they take B. John Robinson 9. Like well, it, I think some of the nerds do, but then they're going to have their mom I cooking think they'll dinner, regret so it. what's yeah. the difference? It's true. Right, but, but let's think other than that, right? They draw Now, here, and I said this to you guys on the pod. I said... Indianapolis is in trouble getting the number one because four is a horrible spot. Right, because you got one great defensive player, one great non-quarterback, and then there's a muddle, right? And the Georgia guy is there's the, too much of a question. He's in mark. the muddle now. He might go early, but he's in the muddle. It's not it's not a competitive with the top. Okay, so why not go back to nine? Because the theory is you're still getting like a B player when there's only quarterbacks and one A player. Yeah. Right. That's a beautiful spot, and because you went back so far, you got. Effectively, a first rounder with DJ Moore. That it's it's, it's worth about a first rounder, and you got two more firsts. I mean, and a second. This is not the Herschel Walker trade. Look it up, kids. But it's a great trade for the Bears. It really is. Well, and also, do, do you have any feel that Carolina is going to be like instantly good? They they signed Andy Dalton. They're going to take a rookie quarterback. Do we feel like they're like the that pick next year won't be good too? Well, first off, the best you can ever do is get a. You make a good point. Rookie quarterbacks in general are replacement level play. I mean, think about it. Mac Jones is one of the best rookie years we've yeah. ever seen, and that was okay. Rookie uh, Trevor Lawrence, who's becoming something now, he didn't look like it his rookie year. No, it, it's almost. I mean, Big Ben had. A in great, fact, they had the number one pick the next year. That's a good <laughs> point. So in general, you're right, and I think that's a subtle point. Is that pick next year is probably going to be valuable? To me, this is temp, David Temper, the owner, is a billionaire, 
and he is considered one of the great hedge fund guys. These guys are, or you know, venture capital. These guys are known as winners. They don't. Oh, you tell me I can't do this. I'm gonna tear. I'm gonna buy the town and tear it down. He's that kind of guy. He's impatient. Think about the moves they made. They traded for Sam Darnold, and then they picked up his fifth year option, which was insane. Yeah. All right. They went and and uh, you were talking about Gilmore, the cornerback, mm-hmm. right? They traded for him from the Pats. Now, Belichick is saying, hey, I'm going to give you someone. And they say, give me. Yeah, that sounds good. And they were out of it, and they paid him half a year for nothing, right? I mean, he, they weren't in it. Then they lost him for nothing. And every what move have they made that you would say, that's a sharp football move? None. Hiring, I mean, hiring Frank Reich? Hiring Matt Rule. That's what they thought at the time. Yeah, and Frank Reich is beloved by the analytics crowd because he, he goes for it on fourth down. And he uses his timeouts right. To me, that's a part of the game. It's not as big as they make it out to be. Myself, I think, goes for it on fourth. I don't know. He's fine. He just got, I mean, I tell you this. He wins more than he loses, which is something for By like one or coach. two games. I mean, but the Colts in theory, I mean, what's the GM's name there? I'm having a mental block. Um, Chris Ballard. Yeah, Ballard. Ballard. Ballard's supposed to be one of the greatest GMs ever. So it's like, I don't think he is. But with all that talent, you would think you'd win a few more games than you'd lose. But did they ever have even a D? I mean, were they ever even a top three C? They were always. So I don't know. You know, they say they gave him a lot of credit for Carson Wentz the year in Philly. He was the quarter or he was the quarterback's coach, I guess. I don't know. I know this. Carolina is impatient. This was an impatient move. They, they who's the receivers now for this for this number one pick, and if it ends up being um, the high state quarterback, no one. I mean, that's where the odds moved. All right, the Shroud right is is they went drastically to him being the number one pick. So it's interesting when everyone thought the Bama guy was going to go one, you make a, a monster trade up. And you're going to pick someone that wasn't supposed to be the number one pick. So yeah, Bryce right. Young, the third favorite now. Yeah, yeah. Stroud's went minus 260. And then, what, plus 320 for Young? I mean, Anthony Richardson, plus 275. So, to me, it's one thing to trade up for Trevor Lawrence or if someone's like a made man, like this guy's the guy. Even They're not a guarantee, but there's a good chance. If you don't know who's supposed to go one, it ain't that valuable. Right. Yeah, so I don't know. Let's just say this: I'm, I, I don't have any Carolina stock, but I'd be selling it. Panthers are bringing in Adam Thielen for a visit. Yeah, hey, old running backs, uh, old receivers? wide receivers. Yeah, yeah that'll, that'll fix everything. Well, who's the running back from the Vikings? He's old too, right? Uh, Dalvin Cook. Yeah, he's kind of aging. Uh, he's older now than he was last year. I know that. One hundred percent. How did that do, Scott? He's, he's twenty-seven. You know what they say about twenty-seven-year-old running backs? They're they'll, younger they'll than twenty-eight. They'll, they'll be twenty-eight soon. <laughs> I thought you said that about girlfriends. <laughs> I mean, I'm just here. That's what I heard. Half your age plus seven, guys. What's that even mean? That's the rule of thumb, apparently, where it's okay. Like, if they're if they're younger than half your age plus seven, Can't date them. you're kind of creepy. <clears throat> RJ's got to go. No comment. <laughs> no, I'm talking back in the day, you know, back in the day. Now, let's think about that. If you're 30... 15... Tw- so you can't date a 21-year-old when you're 30. That's correct. Screw that. <laughs> I do not abide by that. Half your age plus seven. I, I hear you it's, like it's, a parrot. It's gone through. It's it's, you know it's known I, throughout the, the, the annals of history. You know, did you say what? <laughs> Anal, oh, is <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you this. I bet Oprah came up with that. Why would she come up with that? I think. How I, old is Stedman? You old. I got to be honest with you. I, I trace a lot of the problems in society back to Oprah. Because all I know is at one point there was Phil Donahue on, right? The daytime. Geraldo. Yeah, that that and then one day there's Oprah and everything changed. You know who I miss? Who? Ricky Lake. No, I liked Ricky. I did too. Yeah. But remember, she was in that famous movie that they do the nighttime showings of. Uh what's the name of that? It has Paradise by the Dashboard Lights in it. it Rocky Horror Picture oh, Show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she was in that. I didn't know that. Ricky yeah. Lake was in Yeah, I think so. How was that? How old, how old was she in that? Well, I think that was made. Well, let's look it up and see. I'll tell you a little bit. Rocky Horror Picture Show is like seventies. Well, let's take a look. Seventy-five. Maybe I was wrong, but let's take a look. Ricky Lake was in some movie like, I mean, like that. Like Susan Sarandon was young in that movie. Well, how's this sound? Let's look it up instead of speculating. I'll tell you a little bit about Jimmy G on the way out here. Jimmy G, this is a bargain deal, all right? Because here's the question: How do you rate Jimmy G versus Carr? 
slightly worse. Mm, Probably more than slightly. Or is he less durable? uh, I think he's worse. I don't think he's as good of a player as Derek Carr. If he was on the field, I I don't know. I think that one's debatable, but let's say you're right. They're effectively getting him for about half price. Yes. So to me, you're saying a similar guy, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders still take, if they can, take a quarterback. But the real question is, McDaniels, we talked about it with the tight end. It's like Waller was disgruntled. But now if you think about Carr, it's like he was disgruntled. And and I get it. There's a Belichickian kind of like clear out the deadwood. But I don't know. It feels like there's been a real down. I mean, the Raiders put themselves in a spot. It feels like that they at best are going to be close to what they had last year. And with a new coach in his second year, I don't see. They must have really hated Carr. How do you hate a guy that everyone seemed to love? Like in the locker room. The locker room seemed to love him. Yeah. The assumption is McDaniels is better than he was in Denver. He learned. It seems like he's still pretty hardcore. I mean, maybe that works in the end, but I don't know. Ricky Lake was in Hairspray and Crybaby. Yeah, yeah. John Walters. Yeah. uh, Her first first acting role was in 1987. She was in Kate and Alley. So she was not in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Something like that. Close enough. But but all joking aside, that 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 John Waters movie Hair was like kind of like a movie like that. Okay. But I'll take it now. <laughs> but Ricky Lake, she had a way about her. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, RJ. Great job this week. Give me that math one more time. Half your age. Half your age. Plus seven. All right. Let me do something here, right? No, I don't. It doesn't that. work for you. I don't accept that. <laughs> I knew you didn't like that. <laughs> In the NBA tonight, Cleveland Cavaliers, my Cleveland Cavaliers, get a 120-104 win over the Hornets. Pistons come up just 20 points short uh, against the Wizards. Bradley Beal, 36 points in the win, 117-97. Nuggets blown out at the Raptors, 125-110, to 28 points, only eight boards and seven assists. For Jokic, yawn, triple-double or bust, bro. Lakers, 123-108 winners behind an incredible performance from Anthony Davis. 35 points and 17 boards for AD. The Nets come up short against the Thunder. 121-107, Thunder win there. Shea Gilgis Alexander with 35 in the win. You know, I threw out the idea yesterday of the Spurs money line. By God, they did it. 132-114 win for the Spurs against the Magic. Maybe these Rockets and Spurs have figured out, okay, we're locked into the bottom three. We're going to get the max amount of ping pong balls. Let's just, if we win, we win. Let's do it now. Let's play some ball. Uh, Bucks 116-104 winners at Phoenix. And the Knicks, Scott's Knicks, 123-107 winners at Portland. Tonight, On the hardwood. The Cavs play the second half of a back-to-back. They are two-point dogs at home, hosting the 76ers. Grizzlies, plus three-and-a-half at Miami. Sacramento, a one-point road favorite at Chicago. Lakers, minus two-and-a-half at Houston. The Celtics, minus five at Minnesota. Celtics struggling lately. Mavericks, minus five-and-a-half at the Spurs. Lots of questions about who will play for Dallas. Here we are, guys. The system that we've started in the NBA. The Warriors are two and a half point dogs at the Clippers. I'm betting the Clippers money line. I got to do it. The Warriors do not win at ho- or win on the road. They always win at home. This is the system we're playing going forward. I'm going to lay it or, 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 with the with the Clippers on the money line against Golden State. A lot of high scoring lately. In the NHL, uh, I mentioned it the other night. If you played the Grand Salami, not even a sweat to the over. Probably not a sweat to the over last night. Every game except for two went over last night. You had uh, eight goals between the Jets and the Hurricanes, Capitals, Rangers, Golden Knights, Flyers, 10 between the Canadians and Penguins, nine in the Blackhawks, Bruins game and the Oilers, Senators game, seven Coyotes, Flames, Canucks, Stars, Islanders, Kings, and 11. In the Blue Jacket Sharks. Lots. I don't know what's going on the past, you know, week or so in the NHL. Lots and lots and lots of scoring. Just a short schedule tonight, though. 
four games. The Avalanche are at the Maple Leafs. Toronto minus 155. Total is six and a half. Sabres at the Capitals. Washington minus 120. Total of six and a half. This is the second of a back-to-back for Washington after losing to the Rangers last night. Alex Ovechkin did not play. Don't know if he's going to play tonight. If he does, better for Washington. If he doesn't, obviously not good for Washington. Plus, Washington season's kind of... It's it's pretty much over now. Wilder at the Blues, Minnesota minus 145. The Islanders, second of a back-to-back. They're taking on the Ducks. New York is minus 190. Islanders lost to the Kings last night, 5-2. Ilya Sorokin, who is, you know, as good as there is in the NA, in the NHL, did give up four goals, made 32 saves, uh, but likely won't be in net uh, for here, the second of a back-to-back. And it's an important game for the Islanders. You're playing a very bad team in the Ducks. Islanders are still in possession of the second wild card, but they're just three points up on Florida and uh, four five points up on both Washington and Buffalo and six points up on Ottawa. So, They need to pick up the wins when they are supposed to pick up the wins. And playing against the Ducks, you got to pick up this win. A reminder, if you uh, did not get a chance to listen to RJ Bell's Dream Preview podcast feed, we have our NCAA tournament podcasts up and running now. So you'll hear all from AJ and RJ and Fezzik and myself and break down the first round of the NCAA tournament. We did one podcast for the Thursday games, one podcast for the Friday games. So you want to make sure that you listen to those and get ready to fill out your brackets. This is the last day that you can do so because tournament begins on Thursday. Head on over to pregame.com and take 20% off anything you would like at pregame.com, whether it's a daily best bet or a season-long subscription. You know Major League Baseball it will be here before we know it. Get 20% off a season-long subscription. Save a ton of money. And in the spirit of the NCAA tournament, the promo code will be NCAA20. That'll get you 20% off at pregame.com. Again, the promo code NCAA20 gets you 20% off. For AJ Hoffman and RJ Bell, I guess we can call him the man, the myth, and the legend. I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. AM. 